Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go and make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune into this episode. If you're a regular listener, I'm excited that you're here again. If you're new, thank you so much for taking the time to stop and check it out to see what One of a Kind You is all about. I'm so grateful for your time. And the way that this podcast usually works is that I share a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago when I was in the thick of the struggle and I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I had known then. But today, ladies, we are in for a special treat. We actually have a guest, so you don't have to listen to me blab on alone. Um, We have Allison with us, and she is going to chat with us today about midlife and menopause. And um, it makes me cringe because I'm closer to midlife than menopause than I'd like to admit. (laughs) I just turned 40, and so now I'm like, it's on my mind. And I've been trying to not have it be on my mind, but avoiding it is not going to prevent it from coming or happening. So it's better to be prepared and aware and actually know what's going to go on so that we can manage it better. So I thought she would be the perfect guest to have on one of a kind you and her journey really started back in her teen years when she had um, hormonal skin problems. And so That led her to working as an esthetician and helping women with their skin as they are going through menopause and having acne and pigmentation. So she is all about women's health, which amen to that. We need more advocates for women's health. So I'm going to turn it over to her and I'm going to let her tell us more about herself. So thank you, Allison, for so much um, for joining us on One of a Kind You. Oh, thank you, uh, Kim, for that lovely introduction. Uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful to be here talking about uh, perimenopause and menopause because it's it really is a very very uh, important subject and a subject really that that we don't talk about enough and because mm-hmm. it's a process that every single woman will go through. You know, yes. it, it's a totally natural process. But yeah, as as you said, my name's Alison and I'm a, a registered nutritional therapist. Uh, and uh, as I as you said, I started my career as an esthetician. Uh, working specifically with women's uh, skin problems because you know we always assume that when we go through puberty we you know some people can develop acne like like I did and it was hormonal and I really didn't get the help and the support that I needed then Uh, and I managed you know I saw so many other women suffering with skin issues and, and generally hormonal issues so after you know it didn't take me very long to realize that working as an esthetician is great but you also need to work from the inside. You know, it's it's the whole picture. It's not just about applying products. It's it's about working from the inside with the gut and, and you know, nutrition. So that's when I went back and, and studied uh, nutritional therapy at university. And ever since then, I've been working globally, you know, helping women to, you know, helping and supporting women to get through this sometimes difficult period in their lives. I, I like to say I help women harness the hormones and, and get back their sparkle. Oh, I love it. Harness yeah. the to get back the sparkle. Yes. Who doesn't want to sparkle? I mean, exactly. I- <laughs> we all like a bit of sparkle, don't we? Yes. Um, yeah. So I work very closely. I do one-to-one programs with my clients um, and it's very individually tailored to depending on, on what you need, because it, it's such a huge subject, menopause. And it, it, you know, you really need to get to the bottom of the root cause and you know what what's happening why are you getting all these symptoms etc uh, so yeah so I'm very passionate because I, I think that women 
you know, as as we get older, we should be celebrated rather than feeling that, oh, you know, now I'm going through menopause and, you know, that I'm not fertile anymore. And it, it's a bit of a taboo subject. I, I remember the women in my family when I was growing up, my, my mother and my grandmother, you know, they wouldn't talk about it. And I could see that my mum my was suffering from hot flushes and, and weight gain, etc. But she just wouldn't talk. It was kind of a, there was a bit of a stigma attached to it it's as if, it wasn't, you know, you just didn't talk about things like that. You just basically got got on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now it's this. There still is. We need to talk about it more. But there still is a, a that stigma attached to it that, you know, isn't something that we should celebrate. It is more of a kind of like an ending, which yeah. is totally yeah. wrong. I mean, as women get older, we're so wise, aren't we? We. we yeah. We have so much knowledge. And when you go through menopause, you can have up to 30, 35 years left of your life. Yeah. So you should be a long time. Mm, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's you bring up such a valid point, though. And I think this is the the thing that I was like, oh, this is why we need to have this episode is because we have to talk about it. So I did not have acne as a teen. I was very, very lucky. I would only get one pimple on my chin when it was my cycle. My cycle would end, the pimple would be gone, and no one even knew it was there. But I got um, acne after I had, like, during my pregnancies with my daughters, and then still after I had them. So I always felt kind of defective because I never had that beautiful glow, like that pregnancy glow. I always had the pizza face chin, and I had this horrible acne on my back. And so after my kids were born and Casey, my younger was two. So Lily was five. I still had it and I just couldn't get rid of it. So then I went on a medication called spironolactone, but you had to go for liver checks. You couldn't have children when you're on that. And so I was on that for almost two years. And then I had the glow. My skin was perfectly clear, but then I thought, I don't want to be on this. If I have to go for liver checks, like that clearly can't be a good thing. So then I came off of it and boom, the acne was back again. And the doctor was basically like, well, it's hormonal. So you just basically have to deal with this until the hormones shift again. And I was like, well, when is that going to be? That could be 15 years. Who knows? So, um, yeah, so it's just, it's so fascinating where you think like, oh, I'm not going to have acne because I didn't have it as a teen. And then we go through these different stages of life. And then you're like, oh, there it is. Thanks a lot. Hormones. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thanks a lot. I mean, it, it's not exactly what you need when you're coming into, you know, midlife and menopause because you've got so many other things going on. You know, you, as you come into perimenopause, which is the, the first stage, uh, and and that on average can start around 45, but it absolutely can start earlier. Uh, so it's very individual. And, you know, you've, you've, you've got children maybe at home, you, you've got a career, you've got so many things going on that your life is most probably quite stressful. And then you develop acne. I mean, it, it just becomes overwhelming. It can really um, be very, very stressful. But I think that the important thing is is knowing, you know, I, I know that a lot of the, your listeners aren't, met, you know, they're not at maybe the menopausal age yet. But it's very good to know what is going to be happening when you get into your mid 40s, because then when you have or you develop some of the symptoms like hot flushes or or weight gain or whatever it is, then you understand rather than just being what is going on with my body, because that's a real 
key thing that a lot of people when they come into perimenopause they don't actually realize that it is perimenopause they just think that they're going mad or that it's due to stress or you know something else in their in their lifestyle because there are so many things that you can do to support yourself and really make yourself feel better in this time period yeah and i think first of all i we don't use the term perimenopause very often it's it's just menopause like you just hit menopause and that's it. There's really nothing, you know, before that. And so I think we're blindsided and then we chalk it up to stress or being overwhelmed with, you know, working and taking care of kids and all the after school activities and this, that, and the other. And then we think like, oh, I'm gaining weight. Oh, because I haven't been maybe as mindful about my diet as I was. And then we go into this diet mode, but then nothing is working to take the weight off. And then we feel even worse about ourselves. So we, there's just, then we create so much resistance. So how do you, what would be one of the first signs that you are actually hitting perimenopause where there are lots of signs? There, there are a lot, but there's the, the ones that are very, I mean, every woman's experience of perimenopause is different, but the, the, the one thing that, that most women, not every woman, but most women suffer from is the hot flashes. So, you know, all of a sudden, uh, due to the, the hormone imbalances, because during perimenopause, your hormones, you know, they're really on a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, so, you know, one month your estrogen can be high, your progesterone can be low. And then the following month, it can it can be all over the place. And, and this can trigger off the symptoms. And, you know, the, the one of the most common is is hot flashes. Brain fog is very common that you all of a sudden you know, start just forgetting things or you're in the middle of a sentence and you you can't remember what you were talking about. I mean, I'm in perimenopause myself. <laughs> that happens to me that all of a sudden you just go blank. <laughs> it's almost like pregnancy brain all over again. Yeah, yeah it's all, all to do with hormones. And I, I would say the, the main things that you can detect that you maybe are in perimenopause is like we say the hot flashes maybe a little bit of weight gain it's predominantly around the abdomen area for, for no particular reason that you're eating the same and, and everything um like we say brain fog uh irritation you know mood swings all of a sudden you feel very like irritated over very minor things that you wouldn't be irritated over before so understanding that it's due to your hormones I think makes you feel a little bit better and also from your family's point of view you know they all of a sudden why is mom so moody or you know why is she so irritated all the time I think it's good that you know the whole family's on board and, and understands what this is and what's going on yeah and it gives it's kind of that validation like okay I'm really not losing my mind yeah exactly. <laughs> You're like, okay, I get it now. This, it makes so much sense. Are the symptoms of perimenopause the same as actual menopause? What, what happens is you're, so on average, it's 45 when you start perimenopause, but like I said, it absolutely can come earlier. Uh, and then on average, you have that for roughly about till the age of about 51, 52. And then when, when you go into menopause, basically what menopause is and the term menopause means that you you're not menstruating anymore so when you've gone through perimenopause and you haven't had a period for a year in a row you are then in menopause okay. uh, but so if, if you've for example eight months and you haven't uh, ovulated 
and then you have a period, you're still in perimenopause. Okay. And then, so menopause, you've stopped ovulating, you're not fertile any longer. And then all the time after that is what we call post-menopause. So so that is where you're not producing uh, eggs anymore and, and, you know, your estrogen levels. Your body does actually produce a very small amount of estrogen from your adrenal glands, which sit on top of your kidneys. But, you know, your estrogen levels are, are very low. Uh, so they're basically the, the the three three stages. So the difference between per- perimenopause is, you know, the, the symptoms tend to really come and in waves and you can have the hot flashes and weight gain. And and hopefully it's not always the case. But as you come into menopause and postmenopause, things tend to get a little bit better and they just gradually lessen. Uh, but, but you can have menopausal symptoms for many many years even into post uh, post menopause mm-hmm. but it also depends on what you're doing in your lifestyle and you know whether you're taking hormone replacement therapy you know there's lots of different things that can can really help with with that I think as we're talking I'm like oh I think we actually just call the whole thing menopause because I know that there are women in my family who are still ovulating but they're like oh I'm in menopause so now I'm like, oh no, they're actually in perimenopause because you're still having a period. So you're actually not in menopause yet. So I think that's the other thing is that we don't even use the terms correctly. No, no <laughs> like, it's, it's just a menopause. That's it, menopause. It's so true. And I mean, there's so many women that don't really understand. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it? If you think yeah. like the the hormonal, the, the big hormonal events in a woman's life is like puberty, pregnancy, you know, that we we understand relatively well. But when it comes to this like menopause, perimenopause area that happens later in life, it's, it, you know, there's so many of us that really don't understand what's going on. Yeah, I, well, because we don't talk about it because I think there's this stigma about aging. So it's like the last thing we want to do is hit menopause because then like we're perceived to be like these you know, washed up, dried up old prunes who, you know, just sweat and ha- are miserable all the time. And it's like, no one wants to sign up for that. So it's almost like if we don't talk about it, then it's not going to happen. It won't come. And we don't have to, we can just pretend like pretend it away. And then it comes and we're blindsided and we're not prepared. And then we don't know what to do. And there we're scrambling for information. I think a lot of times we even get conflicting information about, about all of it, because, uh, we don't even, you know, we don't want to bring it up necessarily at the doctors because it's embarrassing to say like, oh, I, I think I'm in menopause. No one mm. wants to say it. No, exactly. And the, and the whole, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in, in Europe at the moment, there's a bit of a menopause revolution going on because women are just fed up with not getting the support and the information that they need. And I mean, yeah. it still needs to be talked about a lot more, but it it is happening there's kind of you know women are saying no I'm I'll go to my doctor and I want the support you know yes. I'm not just being fobbed off and saying oh you know it's it's just the time of your life you're, you're going through menopause you want the support and you want a knowledgeable person there to give you the correct information yes and I, it's the same here in the U.S. I think women we've had enough of being uh looked at is in like a subservient way or you know not being supportive when we need these life changes you know go through these life changes so I would say that we're taking a stand here in this country as well and like demanding that we have accurate information and uh that it's done in a holistic way because I think that for so long 
it's been men who have been physicians and they look at our bodies more from a mechanical perspective and not so much from a holistic perspective. And so it's just about like, how does the body function, but not the emotional aspect, the mental health aspect. It's just like that one physical piece. And so we're saying, no, we're a whole person and you're going to treat us as such. And we want information that validates that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Well said. It's yeah. totally true. And, you know, the the research that, that is done on, on you know, menopause and, and all the different uh, treatments that can be given for menopause is lacking because yeah. research in general is predominantly done on men. I mean, it, it's getting better, but there isn't enough research done and there's certainly not enough research done on women and, and hormones and you know all the different aspects of that so it's something that really needs to be increased the the research and you know, to ha actually have the evidence and the facts there because uh, I mean I work with evidence-based information I everything that I say is is comes from you know research and facts because there is so much misinformation out there and I totally understand how women can be confused because it's just so conflicting the information that you can find yeah so it's like oh if you take birth control pills it will help you through menopause oh no because that increases the risk of this or oh so there's so many different things and it's hard to decipher what's true and what's not true and where to even go for true information so um, i really appreciate that you actually take the time to use research-based information with your clients. Mm, no, all, all is, and, and there's so much, I mean, I find it fascinating as well. There's so much new research coming out all the time. You know, what, it, what we thought 10, 20 years ago isn't necessarily the case now. I mean, in, in nutrition in general, mm -hmm. you know, it's a huge area and we all, we, we think we understand it, but I don't think we really do totally. I mean, if you think, a great example was, you know, it was in the 70s, wasn't it, that everyone decided that, that you know, it wasn't such a good idea to eat fat. Mm -hmm. So everything should be low fat, high carb, you know, laden with sugar. And I mean, when you look at the, the figures now of, of the obesity from, from the 70s to when we started eating, you know, sugary, refined foods, I mean, there's an obesity, virtually obesity epidemic in the world. Yes. Yeah. So now we've suddenly decided, oh, actually, well, hold on a minute. Uh, uh, fat was all right. <laughs> fat, we should be eating fat and sugar is not good. So we've kind of changed all, all that around. So it, it, it's just keeping up with the latest information. Mm -hmm. We don't we need research to understand and, you know, eating healthy fats, not all fats, but, you know, things like olive oil, avocados, nuts and seeds, all, all those wonderful fats. It's actually really good for you. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the thing is like, we, we don't even always understand like good fat versus bad fat, good cholesterol versus bad cholesterol. And so, you know, we really need someone there that knows like you as a nutritionist that can really break it down for us. So is there foods that we can eat um, that would help with perimenopause symptoms? Um, like certain vitamins, because um, then like when you're pregnant, you have to take a certain vitamin and I'm drawing a blank on what it is now. Um, it'll come to me at some point, not important. Is it uh, folic acid? Yes, that's it, yeah. folic acid. 
<laughs> so is this is that the same for when you hit perimenopause do you take folic acid again or not so much yeah again it's very it's very individual with supplementation i mean when i work with clients if i feel that's necessary i feel there's maybe a deficiency then you know we would look at that and, and maybe do testing to actually find out because you know just taking supplements for because you've read somewhere that that's good for that it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that it is and you should always really try and get your nutrients and, and everything from real food mm-hmm. uh, but as far as supplementation go and the, the things that you need in in perimenopause it can iron can be quite a, a big thing because one of the symptoms of perimenopause is that you can have quite heavy bleeding mm-hmm. you know you you can have your periods all of a sudden can just go haywire and you can maybe have like two periods in a month and then not one for two months and but you can really bleed heavily so you have to be mindful of of your iron levels because that obviously if you're having heavy uh, periods you, you can be low in iron mm-hmm. but it, it's it's about balance and it's about eating avoiding you know the the things that and this has been shown in research that trigger for example hot flushes is is your sugary processed foods uh alcohol is is being shown you know if you like your glass of wine in the evening that can trigger a hot hot flash and it can also stop you from sleeping because sleep can be a big issue during perimenopause and menopause so it's more getting rid of all like the processed refined foods that seem to be everywhere mm-hmm. i mean I, I like to call them more toxic foods that, that everywhere you go yes like the food environment is is everywhere isn't it if, even not even in a food store if you're just going to buy something from a diy shop you've, you've got laden there as you're in the checkout with all sugary sweet foods and i appreciate it's not easy is it we're only human and you know right. we like those sort of foods but it's really trying to just be mindful and reducing processed sugary foods and drinks because they will make your menopausal symptoms worse Mm -hmm. so and then also I would assume that part of it's you know it's a holistic approach so it's it's diet so really working to eliminate or reduce as much as possible those sugary processed foods and then also I would assume stress management too because that what I would assume would could also be a trigger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, stress is is a huge part uh, in in my programs because the majority of women in midlife are normally quite stressed. I mean, we suffer. Everybody seems to be stressed. We, we're mm-hmm. suffering from like chronic stress because of our lifestyles and, and everything, you know. But stress is huge because stress just triggers off so many different processes in the body due to the stress hormones and you know if if you've noticed that you're starting to put a little bit of weight on the first thing that you really need to do before you even think about what you're eating is to manage stress because cortisol which is one of the stress hormones is actually a fat storing hormone so if you're chronically stressed and have levels of cortisol in your blood you, you will find it really difficult to lose weight Mm -hmm. and it's just this it's so bad for your stress it affects your sleep it affects your mood it affects all like what you eat and how your body stores it blood sugar levels and you know it's all very well isn't it saying to someone okay manage your stress but yes someone that's really stressed if I say okay now let's do an hour of meditation and an hour of yoga every day 
I mean, you're going to find that stressful in itself, trying to do that. So just just trying to find something that works for you, even if it's just five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, one thing that is really underestimated is breathing. Yes. Breathe deeply. That is such a good thing for stress. Going for a walk, just sitting and looking out the window and breathing. And it doesn't have to be like an hour of your time. I think if you do small things daily, then, you know, it leads to big results. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, the, you all, if you have an Apple watch or, you know, a watch connected to your smartphone, you get reminders all the time about mindfulness. So it's, you know, like you get the little alert, like take two minutes to be mindful and it does a little countdown timer. And even if you only just did half of that would be better than doing nothing at all. Yeah, it's, it really is. And it is so, so important for for health in general, but just especially when you come into perimenopause and menopause, because, you you know, you just get into this like vicious circle of, of stress and it stops you sleeping. And, you know, you, you just can end up feeling terrible. And we all have to prioritize our health and just mm-hmm. giving even if it's five or 10 minutes a day, you are actually worth that. So, oh, yes. you know, you can't carry on saying to yourself, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time, because you'll just end up having to make time when you when you get really ill because you won't mm-hmm. be able to work. Yeah, then you then you have no choice. Then you'll have the time. But if, yeah. uh, you don't want to get to that point um, because sometimes then it's not that you're too far gone, but it's harder to get out of that because then you're really far down in the ditch and it's a longer journey to climb out of that. So it's better to be proactive about it and do it now while you're in a healthy state than rather trying to to go you know into overdrive and get out of it yeah absolutely i like to take i always have sundays is is like my day where i do things that i want to do self care you know being with your family cooking whatever you enjoy doing and and not working because it's so easy isn't it to just read a few emails or do that really mindfully not doing anything and and trying to stay off all devices and it's so it it fascinates me actually how good you feel after a day of no computers no phones nothing it actually makes you feel wonderful I know some friends of mine when they go away with their families they they go away and they they're not allowed to bring any phones or anything so they just have time. They rent a house in, in the north of Sweden and they just have time together and they play board games and talk and there's absolutely no technology. And yeah, they I say love that. it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, we're all so connected to our devices, whether it's the phone or the laptop or the iPad or the tablet, whatever. Um, and so, you know, it's going to feel awkward and uncomfortable to disconnect from that. So even if you just set the rule for yourself on Sunday, Sunday is the device free day and, and build up to having a whole day of no device. So it might be, you know, no devices until 10 a.m. on Sunday. And then once you can do that comfortably and think, OK, no big deal. I got this. Then it's no devices until noon and then three. And then before you know it, you're going to be without the device all day on Sunday. And I know when I take those days where I don't get on social media, I don't open the laptop. It gets really hard to get back into those things, especially mm-hmm. the social media piece. Cause I'm like, I feel so much lighter, so much more energized. I don't feel weighted down, but you know, subconsciously you get into the comparison trap on social media 
And so it's just, it's so freeing to not be connected to that. Yeah, it really is. I agree with you totally. I feel exactly the same way. And, you know, it, it's it's amazing and it absolutely has its place. But I think you, you, you just have to be mindful that your whole day isn't absorbed by devices because it doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. Isn't, it isn't good for you. Yes. And just, and so for my own self, um, I'm not allowed to check email because, you know, some people, it used to be that I would literally, the alarm would go off. I would open my eyes and I'd scroll my email, but now I don't allow myself to do that until after I've eaten breakfast. So I've meditated for the morning. I've done my morning journaling exercises. I've eaten breakfast. I've showered. And then I can check the email, but I'm not like, I don't allow myself to do it until after that point, uh, because it, it was stressful starting my day. Cause if you get this unexpected email from, you know, a teacher at school about your child, not making a good choice or whatever, then it sets your day for uh, to be stressed out. So then you take that all day long with you and maybe into the next day and the day after that. So, uh, once you can get up and, you know, get in the right mindset and start your day in a way that you want then it's easier to navigate the unexpected emails or the unexpected social media comments or posts or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's so true. My, uh, I think mindset, as you, as you said, uh, Kim, is so important. And that, talking about perimenopause and menopause, that's an area that, that I really work with with clients is, you know, how if, if you go into this time in your life with, with the, it, it's difficult because there's always, when we talk about menopause, perimenopause, menopause, we always talk about the negative sides mm-hmm. of it, don't we? You know, all the symptoms and you're going to put weight on and you're going to feel terrible and you're not going to remember anything. There's never, you never look at the positive sides. And it's actually really interesting because it's been shown that that societies where, you know, women are celebrated, it's not so much in, in the Western world, but when they're celebrated, when they come into this phase in their life, they don't have as many symptoms. They tend to glide through menopause. Whereas when it's we look at it as, you know, something, you know, it's it's the end and, and you're not fertile anymore, that women struggle. So having the mindset and embracing it with a positive attitude will actually help you a lot. I think that's so interesting that cultures where women are celebrated for entering that phase of life, they actually go through it with more ease. And I think that's a revolution that that needs to be started in the Western world is that we need to be celebrating women for entering that phase of life, because we have a lot of experience, we have a lot of wisdom, and we have a lot of insight. And so at that when we're in that phase of life, we're taking on new tasks to help our children, their children and future generations, but our community as a whole. And so I think if we look at each other and celebrate that, then it will just be for the best rather than looking at us like we're old and washed up. Yeah, it's so, so true. And I mean, the, these women, they're celebrated and they're also, they're, they're appreciated for their wiseness. So they're normally, you know, quite high up in, in the, the level of people. They run the, the village and, you know, they really help with everything. And one thing that I was, find very interesting is uh, you know killer whales that there aren't many mammals that actually go through menopause but but killer whales is is one of them really when, when the female becomes around because they live till they're quite old around 45 they they actually go through a, a menopause and when they've gone through that they then become the leader of the pod the pod of i mean they can have up to 30 40 whales in a pod 
because of because of their knowledge because they know where everything is and so they they lead the whole group of of whales because after menopause so that's I really love it yeah that's it we're gonna all take on the philosophy of killer whales and that's gonna be <laughs> that's it we're gonna be killer whales i love it yeah, I, I just think it's women should be celebrated for our knowledge. And, and we're, we're such caring people, aren't we? We always look after everybody. You know, when, when you go through perimenopause and menopause, it's also a time in your life where you can, you know, go go and do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe your children have become older and they've left home, so you've got more time. Do things, be a bit wild and crazy. Go and, go and learn something or go on a trip or, you know, do do think I'm, I'm a great one of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone because a lot of women as well they they which is one of the symptoms of menopause is that you suddenly start to lack confidence mm-hmm. and it's all hormone related and you start to really question yourself and, and and everything but if you do small things that kind of make you feel a little bit uncomfortable that really helps to boost your confidence yeah I think that's a, a, such a powerful you know, way to step forward into that phase of life. Cause I think, um, I don't know if you relate to this, but I feel like at each stage of life, we almost lose ourselves as women. So like when we have children, then we lose ourselves as like just being a mom. And then when our kids start to get a little bit older and they don't need us as much anymore because they're, you know, independent in, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, middle school, high school, then we think, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not needed. Now what, now who am I? Now what am I going to do? And then we have these sort of, you know, we're not quite at midlife. So it's like more of like a quarter life crisis. And because we've poured so much of ourselves into being a mom that that identity falls away. And then we we're kind of like, oh gosh, I don't know. And then we feel like we maybe kind of get it figured out or we get to the point where we don't really care what people think of us as much. We feel more comfortable in our own skin. And just when we embrace that, then here comes perimenopause and menopause <laughs> and empty nest syndrome. And we think, oh God, I got to figure it out all over again. And we get, I think sometimes can get stuck in the not knowing. So I think it's fantastic to, to say, oh my gosh, this is great. I have the freedom of time, energy, mental capacity, whatever, to go be, do, have, see, feel, whatever it is that I want and just go do it. Yeah, exactly. Just go and do it. Don't overanalyze it. Just go and do it. Yeah. And it will make you feel fantastic. If you do something that you maybe have thought about, but you think, "Mm, I don't know if I can do that or I'm not sure, just go and try. Just go and try and do it because, you know, there's so many statistics of, of of women older women that you know start they start their a business when they're 60 mm-hmm. you know they go they go and learn to fly when they're 65 there was a thing actually on the news here the the other day I think she was a 95 year old lady that had just done a wing walk so she'd gone up on a plane and then walked out you know you can do where you walk out yes. on the wing flying and she was 95 she loved it Wow. I don't think now at 40, I would do a wing walk. And I don't think at 95, I would do a wing walk. So more power to her. But I love it. I love that at 95, she's still showing up for herself and giving her the space to try something. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be as, you know, as crazy as that. It can just be a something that you wanted to do to go and learn another language or 
learn to crochet or you know it can be it can be anything it doesn't have to be anything so drastic yeah there's um a mom that I just interviewed uh her she is she's um starting a a kid's clothing line so Mm -hmm. um and she had very bad postpartum with um maybe her fifth baby so she has five children I don't remember if it was the fourth child or the fifth child but it was really not great. And so I just saw a post of hers on Instagram that she went roller skating. Oh, because that was something that she loved to do as a kid. And she was like, you know, I think I'm going to go roller skating. And she just went roller skating in her neighborhood. And she loved every second of it. And she showed a video of her feet zipping along on the ground. I was like, Oh, my God, I love roller skating. Now I want to go roller skating. But it can be something fun like that. Or like you said, it could be something like crocheting or taking a scrapbooking class. I mean, there's so many different things out there for us to try. Um, and we just need to give ourselves permission to do it. Yeah. And it, it, I think once you've done it, you then feel so much better because it is a real confidence boost. A lot yeah. of people write a book. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything serious, but they, they just write something down, start learning to, to write a book or whatever, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. I love it. So as you know, we, as we age and we start to get into that, we're like, oh gosh, it's perimenopause. What is something that we can do? Uh, I guess it would be reduce your processed sugars, like reduce processed food, refined sugars, um, like, you know, minimize them as much as possible, really start working on stress management to reduce the stress that we have in our life, whether that's mostly with breath work, but, you know, taking a walk, um, giving ourselves permission to try new things. Um, is there any, anything else that we can take away as like a starting point, even now for not perimenopause to sort of prepare ourselves for that time? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so, <laughs> so many things that you can do, but I think one thing that is the way the what you eat obviously is very important so try and take out the non-nutritious foods like all your processed foods anything that comes in a packet that has more than two or three ingredients isn't going to necessarily be very beneficial for you and add nutritious foods research suggests that the mediterranean style diet is is one of the diets that is beneficial for overall health and for menopausal health you know, and people say, well, what does that mean, Mediterranean diet? But it, it's basically eating whole foods, mm-hmm. you know, things like um, fish, your, your white meats, uh, vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, uh, legumes, uh, and then all your lovely healthy fats like your avocado, olive oil, etc. And And really just think about eating a balanced plate, you know, with protein, fat and, and whole grain carbohydrates. Uh, and, and protein is key as well. That's something that women really don't eat enough of. So really trying to make sure that you've got protein with every meal. You know, if you eat meat, then, you know, that could look like fish or, or, or chicken. You know, if you if you're a vegetarian, then, you know, you could get that protein from soya um, products, etc. So really like the Mediterranean style uh, diet is a good place to start and and having food in your house that's nutritious don't the easiest thing to do is not to buy all that processed food and I can appreciate when you've got children at home it's maybe not so easy is it but don't buy lots of that you know 
sugar laden food have have more nutritious food at home so you so you're not tempted because it's very rare that if you crave something you actually get in the car and drive to the shop if if you haven't got it in your house you 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 might crave a chocolate or a biscuit but it will pass mm -hmm. so really really get and i have actually on my um website i've got there's a um a mediterranean style diet meal plan there with shopping list and everything so i could maybe send you the link to that if your listeners were interested it's a, just a good place to get them started so you can see you know what what that actually looks like yeah that would be great because we can put that link in the show notes or if they go to your website do they just type in their email address and then it's down uh, like a downloadable guide for them yeah it's under my resources page on my um uh, website that you'll see there's many different ebooks you can download but the, the mediterranean one is there so but i can send you the exact link to it so you don't even have to go Perfect. to yes and i'm as soon as we end this episode i'm going to download that because that's my one thing right now that i'm really striving to work on is uh making better food choices so i do have kids and we try to minimize the sugary foods that we bring into the house but on summer break we get more lax with it so uh we've had cookies. Cause then whenever we go see my grandmother, she gives us a pack of Oreo cookies. And so we ran out of Oreo cookies. So my younger last night was like, what do we have? Do we have any sweet treats? I said, no, we don't. And she said, well, can daddy run out to the store after he brings Lily home from camp and get sweet treats? I said, no, he can't. And she was not a happy camper. I said, we're going to go a night without cookies. I think you're going to survive because we really try not to buy them for that very reason. So school's starting in a couple of weeks. So it's like we are going to get back into healthier food choices for the school year. So that's my goal, especially. And right now it's kind of tricky because our kitchen is being remodeled. So we have no functioning kitchen. Oh, gosh, <laughs> that must be stressful. Yeah, so we are like we're grilling a lot and um, using the microwave. And so or we're, we're kitchen squatting. So um, whenever because my in-laws don't live far. So like we'll go there cook a few meals on their stove and bring them home so that we can have them as leftovers. So hopefully the kitchen will be done sooner rather than later. So I can actually have a functioning food space and that will help. So yeah. So my goal is as soon as the kitchen is done, we're going to go like whole hog back to healthier food choices. Um, because I feel the difference when I don't eat as healthy as I normally do. Yeah. It's, I think it's so difficult, isn't it? Because the, the, what you were saying about the the cookies that if, if we're used to eating them every day or every other day, you know, you, your, your cravings and, and sugar is so addictive. Mm -hmm. When you get into that cycle of, of you know, craving sugar, it, it, it can be difficult to get out of it, but you just basically just have to stop. And once you've stopped eating all those things and, you know, th those cravings have passed, you will actually feel much better. But I think, like you say, it's just not having them in the house. That's especially with children. That's the easiest thing, because if they're not there, because cravings normally after about 20 minutes pass. And, and if you have a craving for sugar, drink a glass of water, mm -hmm. or have a piece of fruit or, you know, have some nuts. Yes, have, have, have something else rather than, than a cookie. Yes, there is a, a book. Um it's Jack Canfield success principles. And I've read it a thousand times and um, not so much, but when I was first getting into self-help and personal growth, I was obsessed with this book. And one of the success principles, I don't even remember what it's, the principle itself is called, but I just remember the story that he shares 
there was a, an older gentleman that he was friends with. And I think he was having his 90th birthday and they had cake and ice cream for him. And he refused to eat the cake and ice cream. And everybody was trying to pressure him to do so. And he said, no, I only allow myself a sweet treat when there's a full moon. And that was not a day that was a full moon. So he stuck to his guns and he did not eat it. He said, I can save the cake for, you know, three days later when the full moon will come. But the full moon is not tonight. So I cannot eat this cake. And people, they just could, people wouldn't wrap their brains around that. So I think that's a good thing. It's like he, you know, didn't completely restrict himself. He just said only on this day. Perfect. I love that. that. Yeah. So pick your day. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a day that's a full moon, but maybe you just do it on the 15th of every month. You can say like the 15th is my sweet treat day and I can have one sweet treat. And then that way, you know, you're going to have it, but you just start having it in moderation and not excessively. Yeah. And and you will, because it it will make you feel better. You'll want to carry on doing that. I mean, we all have to live, don't we? And food is delicious and it is okay to eat you know, sweet things, but in moderation. Yes. Yes. So this has been, I'm fascinated. I'm like, okay, I, I'm getting your guide for your Mediterranean diet. Cause I need that in my life. Um, when we don't eat red meat anyway, we, you know, chicken, turkey, and then fish. Um, but I need it. I'm very much a visual person and I like checklists and things. So I'm like, oh yes, this is perfect. I need this. So I will be getting that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, if people go to your website and they get your download, your free guide, or they connect with you on social media and they have a question, are you open to emails or, um, direct messages on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or wherever they connect with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely open. Anyone's got any questions, I'd be more than happy to answer. Uh, emails are fine. Or, you know, you can get me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. I'm, I'm on all the platforms. So what, whatever suits you best i'm more than happy to answer any questions that your listeners have got absolutely amazing thank you because um you're such a valuable resource and i think you are perfect for people to be able to reach out to because we i feel like don't have a lot of resources when it comes to women's health and menopause and perimenopause so i'm like yeah i have my resource now so i'm so thankful that you um took time to be on one of a kind you with us today Oh, it's, it's lovely talking to you, Kim. And thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It's such a interesting subject. I could sit here and talk to you for hours. Yes, same. I'm like, I feel like I have so many more questions. So maybe we will have to do a part two. We can absolutely do that. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend because the more the merrier. And also if you would leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it because they take the time to read all the reviews to ensure that this podcast continues to be a place of support and guidance and really a one-stop resource for all things moms, all things womanhood. Um, Because let's face it, us ladies, we have to stick together, especially as moms and women. So thank you so much for tuning into another episode of One of a Kind You, and I will see you next week.